Hey there, and welcome to Tell Me a True Crime Story podcast. I'm your host, Holly. Thank you so much for being here with me. I'm honored that you have chosen to listen to me because I know that you have many quality choices to choose from. I'm sorry that I've been away for a bit. Um, I had kind of a breakdown over the holidays. I've talked about my battle with depression and anxiety here before. I think it was like mostly on episode 15 where I discussed it in the beginning of the episode, but I've been really fortunate um, in that the medicine that I take keeps it under control really well. Um, My anxiety and depression that is, but apparently um, the holidays are a trigger for many people, uh, especially those that already suffer from you know, depression and anxiety. So I got some help and gradually came out of the darkness. So if there is anyone out there having a rough time, don't go it alone, reach out and get help because there is help out there. And, you know, when you're in the thick of it, it feels really hopeless. But keep hanging in there because it's not it will and it does get better. Um, unfortunately, sometimes it just takes time. So um, I'm really glad to be back. And I thank you guys for being here. I hope that you had a wonderful holiday season. And of course, I hope that you and your family are happy, healthy and together forever. Please follow this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and TikTok. Um, That's right. I have added my podcast to YouTube. So you should be able to find it on there. And my username on all of those um, social media platforms is at tell me a true crime story. So this is the part where I ask you guys to leave me a review on Apple and uh, or a rating on Spotify. Thank you for the awesome reviews on Apple and the five star ratings on Spotify so far to those of you who have already done that for me. Thanks a ton and big, big hugs to you guys. And to those of you who haven't and you enjoy this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to do that for me. If you don't like the podcast, you don't have to write anything. Um, You can't please everyone. I know that. So when I don't like someone's work, I just move along and find something that I do enjoy. Um, those people crack me up that seem to have to leave a review just because they think their comment is so darn clever. Now, let me tell you a true crime story. Before I get started, I wanted to say that this story takes place in Nevada. And I noticed that when saying Nevada, sometimes I say Nevada and sometimes I say Nevada. I think that either one is acceptable, but I thought that I would at least have my way of saying it, but I guess not because I seem seem to use them interchangeably. So in March of 2022, Naomi Christine Erion was 18 years old and lived with her big brother, Casey Valley in Fernley, Nevada. 
Fernley has a population of about 24,000 and is located in western Nevada, 35 miles east of Reno. Naomi hadn't lived there for very long, just about seven months or so. She'd moved there from South Africa in August of 2021 after graduating from the American International School of Johannesburg. Because her dad works for the U.S. Department of State overseas, Naomi had lived in many different countries around the world. Although she was well-traveled, her brother knew that she felt a little sheltered with her parents and wanted to gain some independence, so he invited his little sister to live with him in the United States. So she came here to live with him after she graduated from high school. Our story starts out on Saturday, March 12, 2022. A man with a sinister plan pulled into a dirt parking lot just south of a Walmart parking lot in Fernley, Nevada, in the wee hours of the morning. He's a predator, and he's here to wait on a lone woman that he can kidnap, rape, kill, and bury in a remote grave, a grave that he'd dug a month earlier in preparation for this day. Naomi Erion was reported missing by her brother, Casey, the one that she lived with in the evening on March 13, 2022. She was last seen on the previous morning, March 12th, when she'd left her home for work. Naomi worked at Panasonic Energy of North America in Reno, Nevada. On March 15th, the investigation into Naomi's disappearance was assigned to the Lyon County Sheriff's Office Investigations Division. Investigators learned that Naomi would always park her car in the same spot at the Walmart located at 1550 East Newlands Drive in Fernley, Nevada, and take the shuttle bus to work. The first step that the that detectives took in the investigation was to look at surveillance footage from the Walmart. On that footage, they observed that at 5.09 a.m. on Saturday, March 12th, Naomi drove into the Walmart parking lot in her blue 1992 Mercury Sable and parked it in the parking lot on the east side of the store. I'm sure the detectives couldn't have seen it on the surveillance footage, but as Naomi sat in the driver's seat of her car, waiting on the shuttle bus, she was on social media on her cell phone. The detectives had learned from Naomi's brother that that was her usual habit. Then there is a man seen on the surveillance footage wearing a gray hoodie, dark pants or jeans, and dark tennis shoes, and he begins actively stalking Naomi. He eventually approached the driver's side of her vehicle. He opened her driver's side door and got into the car. Seconds later, the unknown man drove Naomi's car out of the Walmart parking lot. After viewing that footage, investigators became almost positive that Naomi had been taken against her will. The Lyon County Sheriff's Office began looking for Naomi's car, but it wasn't found until three days after Naomi was abducted. On March 15, 2022, her car was located in a dirt parking lot on the east side of Duffy Road between a Lowe's Home Improvement and a Sherwin-Williams paint factory. This location was only a half away from the Walmart she'd been kidnapped from. Naomi's car was seized as evidence and was taken to the Forensic Science Division Division of the Washoe County Sheriff's Office to be processed by forensic technicians. Meanwhile, detectives were also conducting emergency location pings of Naomi's cell phone. Sadly, there was no location data available for Naomi's phone. Detectives determined that her phone had been turned off on the morning of March 12th, the morning of her abduction. There was also no further activity on her social media accounts or her financial accounts.
The video surveillance footage from Walmart was studied and analyzed in order to get more information on the suspect that had gotten into Naomi's car and taken her away. It was determined through triangulation using reference points that the suspect was between six foot and six foot three inches tall. In addition to the invaluable footage from Walmart, detectives were able to get additional video surveillance from business in the air, businesses in the area. Thankfully, they were able to get their hands on video footage that showed Naomi's Mercury Sable being driven southbound on Duffy Road on the afternoon she was kidnapped. At 3.31 p.m., someone parked her car in the dirt lot between Lowe's and the Sherwin-Williams paint factory. An unknown man can be seen on the video walking away from her car. He walked southbound on Duffy Road. Not even 45 minutes later, at 4.12 p.m., a grayish-blue Chevy pickup truck could be seen on video driving on Duffy Road. The truck parked near Naomi's car, and the driver of the truck got out, walked to Naomi's car, got in it, and repositioned her car. He then got out of her vehicle and left in the Chevy truck. Detectives took screenshots of the truck from that surveillance footage so that they could attempt to identify the truck and its driver, since they now strongly believed that the driver of the truck was involved in the disappearance of Naomi Erion. The screenshots of the truck were released to the public. Detectives had those screenshots analyzed by Chevrolet dealerships in the area. Each Chevy dealership analyzed the photos independently. They found that the truck and the screenshots taken from the video surveillance had some unique and distinct features. It was determined that the truck had four doors with chrome door handles, partially chrome-wrapped rear-view mirrors, roof-mounted fog lights, chrome running boards, chrome rims, a gold-colored Chevrolet emblem on the front bumper, a rear sliding window, and color-matched front and rear bumpers. Several of the dealerships that analyzed the photos of the truck identified it as a metallic blue or metallic gray 2020 to 2022 Chevy High Country 2500 or 3500. Now that detectives had this crucial information, they were able to go to the Nevada Department of Motor Vehicles and obtain a list of the trucks that matched that description in western Nevada. Their inquiry returned several hundred possible matches. The list was narrowed down by eliminating trucks that were not the color of the suspect truck. Then the list was further narrowed down by eliminating trucks that had different chrome packages or different rims, etc. than the suspect truck. Detectives discovered a truck registered to an address in Silver Springs, Nevada that was registered to a Troy Edward driver. A check of his driver's license indicated that Troy Driver was a 41-year-old white man who was 6 foot 3 inches tall and weighed 215 pounds. A criminal background check of Troy Driver revealed an extensive criminal history. Just the year prior, in 2021, he was the suspect in a sexual assault case in Elko, Nevada. His criminal career started with animal cruelty charges when he was just a teenager. Not long after that, he served more than a decade in a California prison for his role in the murder of a teenager. Let's go back for a moment, two and a half decades ago, to the year 1997. On April 21, 1997, reputed meth 
dealer, 19-year-old Paul Rodriguez, went missing from Willits, a city in Mendocino County in Northern California. A couple of weeks later, his body was found in a wooded area. The investigation into his murder determined that it was premeditated. Paul Rodriguez was lured by his 17-year-old girlfriend, Alyssa Moore, to 17-year-old Troy Driver's home where he lived with his parents. The driver home was located off of a rural road in a remote area. It was there that Alyssa Moore shot her boyfriend, Paul Rodriguez, in the head with a shotgun. After that, Alyssa Moore, Troy Driver, and another teenager who'd been present for the murder, 19-year-old Carl Delinsky, dragged Paul Rodriguez's body to his car. They drove his body 55 miles away and disposed of it in a heavily wooded area. The teens then took the victim's car to another area and torched it. Troy Driver's 19-year-old sister was also present during the planning of the murder and pleaded guilty to being an accessory to the murder. Prior to killing Paul Rodriguez, the teens had also gone on an armed robbery spree, stealing cash and cigarettes from different stores. Troy Driver pleaded guilty to robbery charges, firearms charges, burglary, and accessory to murder after the fact. He was tried as an adult for his part in the murder and was sentenced to 15 years in prison. In 2012, he was paroled from a California state prison, and his parole was soon transferred to Nevada. Three years later, in 2015, his parole was completed, and he was no longer under supervision from the state of Nevada. So that was Troy Driver's criminal history. Simultaneous to the investigation being conducted and looking into Troy Driver, searches for Naomi were being carried out. Members of local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies, along with volunteers and average citizens, were looking for Naomi. Volunteers brought with them walking sticks, binoculars, metal detectors, and even their pet dogs. Many were on foot and some were on ATVs. They looked for any scrap of evidence or any clue that might lead to Naomi's whereabouts. Authorities asked searchers to look out for a gray hoodie truck tire tracks, and cigarette butts. They were told not to touch any potential evidence. Naomi's brother Casey was hoping for her iPhone to be found. A GoFundMe fundraiser was started by Naomi's family. The campaign was established to raise funds that would aid the family in paying for airline travel to Nevada so that they could participate in searching for for their beloved Naomi and also so they could assist authorities in the investigation into her disappearance. Now, back to the investigation into Troy Driver. Since his physical description on his driver's license matched the suspect on the Walmart surveillance footage, and based on his criminal history, investigators made it a top priority to locate Troy Driver's truck to compare it to the suspect vehicle. They learned that he was living in Fallon, Nevada, about 30 minutes southeast of the Walmart Naomi was taken from. He worked as a project superintendent for LeadCore, a mining company. Troy Driver's truck was located at his residence and photographed. His four-door metallic gray 2020 Chevy High Country 3500 pickup truck matched the suspect truck point for point. This included the chrome door handles, partially chrome-wrapped rearview mirrors, chrome running boards, chrome rims, a gold-colored Chevy emblem on the front bumper, a rear sliding window, roof-mounted fog lights, and color-matched front and rear bumpers. 
Detectives learned that Troy Driver had two cell phones, a personal cell phone and a work cell phone. They sought a search warrant for both of those cell phone records. They wanted to use those records to determine his location on the morning of Naomi's abduction, Saturday, March 12th. Well, when detectives received those cell phone records, they indicated that both of Troy Driver's cell phones had been located at his home in Fallon, Nevada on March 12th. Furthermore, those records showed there was zero activity on either phone on that particular date, which was not at all consistent with Troy Driver's normal cell phone usage. His cell phone records showed that March 12th was the only day in March that Troy Driver did not use his cell phones. He'd used his cell phones daily every other day in March of 2022. While detectives had been investigating and analyzing the suspect vehicle, other detectives reviewed hours of surveillance footage footage from businesses located in the area of the Walmart. By this point, they'd already viewed the footage from Walmart that showed Troy Driver stalking Naomi, approaching her car, getting into her car on the driver's side, and driving away in her car. But other video they located contained footage of the suspect truck arriving in the area of the Walmart on the morning of March 12th. At 4.22 a.m., the Chevy pickup truck parks in a dirt lot typically used by semi-trucks and RVs on the south side of the Walmart parking lot located between Wells Fargo Bank and the Greater Nevada Credit Union. Surveillance footage shows Naomi's car entering the Walmart parking lot from Newlands Drive at 5.09 a.m., and of course, the Chevy truck is already in the dirt lot at this time. Naomi parks her car, and the suspect can be seen on video walking across the Walmart parking lot from the dirt lot where the Chevy truck had been parked. After that, as we learned from the surveillance footage from Walmart, the suspect then stalks Naomi for several minutes as she sits in her car before entering her car from the driver's side and driving away with her. Also on surveillance footage, detectives saw the suspect leaving Naomi's car in that dirt lot on the afternoon of March 12th, the same day she'd been abducted, and that footage revealed a man getting out of her car and walking away from it in a southerly direction. Well... Get this, after walking south, the man turned and walked west across Stanley Drive near Greater Nevada Credit Union, where thankfully, his face was clearly caught on camera. That man was Troy Driver. He continued to walk to the Chevrolet truck that was parked in the dirt parking lot south of Walmart, where he'd left it a little after four that morning, got in the truck and drove away. At that time, he actually returned to the to Naomi's car that he'd already abandoned in the dirt parking lot between the Lowe's and the Sherwin-Williams paint factory. And for some reason, he repositioned her car. Then he got back in his truck and left the area. Detectives now believe that they had probable cause to arrest Troy Driver for the abduction of Naomi Erion. Thirteen days after Naomi disappeared, on March 25, 2022, Troy Driver was arrested and booked into the Lyon County Jail. He refused to speak to detectives. His bond was initially set at $750,000. At the time, Naomi's family expressed concern for Troy Driver's safety. Her brother Casey stated, quote, he's the only one who can help us bring Naomi home, end quote. 
At the same time he was arrested, a search warrant was executed on Troy Driver's residence in Fallon, Nevada. His Chevy truck was seized as evidence and sent for forensic processing at the Washoe County Sheriff's Office Laboratory. Detectives noticed that Troy Driver's truck had brand new tires. Their investigation soon determined that he'd had his tires replaced on March 19th, one week after Naomi disappeared. Rather suspiciously, he'd had his tires replaced at a Les Schwab Schwab tire center two hours north of where he lived, in a town called Winnemucca, even though the Les Schwab tire center in his own town had the same tires in stock. Investigators surmised that the media attention surrounding this case led Troy Driver to believe that it would be a safer bet to get out of the immediate area to get his tires replaced. Luckily, the original tires hadn't been discarded yet and were still at the Les Schwab in Winnemucca where he'd gotten new ones. Those original tires were retrieved as evidence in the investigation. Four days after Troy Driver was arrested on March 29th, authorities received a tip that led them to an inactive mine in a remote area, the Buena Vista Iron Mine. The mine is located about two hours northeast of the Walmart that Naomi was taken from. Troy Driver was familiar with the Buena Vista Iron Mine and knew the security code to the padlocked gate there because the mining company he worked for at the time of Naomi's abduction had recently taken samples from the site. A tipster reported to the Pershing County Sheriff's Office that in February of 2022, a month before Naomi's abduction, a semi-truck hauling an excavator had delivered the machine to Troy Driver at the Buena Vista Iron Mine. As I mentioned, the mining company that Troy Driver worked for had been hired to dig samples at that mine, so that's why he'd been there waiting for the delivery of the excavator. After receiving this tip, a Pershing County Sheriff's Office sergeant went to the abandoned mine site and observed professionally turned over dirt on the north side of the mine that did not seem consistent with mining. The sergeant contacted detectives with this information. Detectives went to the mine site and discovered a clandestine grave there, evidenced by what appeared to be freshly dug dirt in the shape of a grave. The dirt had rocks scattered on top of it in a futile attempt to make it appear natural. A little bit of digging determined that it was indeed a grave. Forensic technicians responded to the scene and processed the grave site. They exhumed a naked female body from the earth. The body had been buried about four to five feet deep. 17 days after she'd been kidnapped, 18-year-old Naomi Christine Erion had been found. Naomi, who'd been a fighter for the underdog because she'd been bullied herself in high school for her build, six feet tall with broad shoulders and thin legs, was gone. Naomi, who was forging a life of independence in the United States as a responsible adult who worked, paid rent, and bought herself a car for $700, was gone. Naomi, who talked about moving to Reno and studying psychology in the near future, was gone. Naomi, a beautiful young innocent soul with so many plans, hopes, and dreams for the future, was gone. Naomi had suffered two gunshot wounds, one to the head and one to the chest. The evidence suggested that Naomi had been shot in the head outside of the grave. Then she was dragged into the grave and shot again in the chest. Naomi's body was transported to the Washoe County Medical Examiner's Office, where an autopsy and a sexual assault examination were conducted. 
Authorities discovered excavator track marks at the area of the gravesite and tool marks left by the excavator excavator shovel located at every depth of the grave, which of course were indicative of the grave having been dug by an excavator. Tire impressions from Naomi's car were found at the gravesite, as well as tire impressions from the original tires that had been on Troy Driver's Chevy truck on the day Naomi was taken. On April 1, 2022, Troy Driver was charged with open murder with use of a deadly weapon, robbery, vehicle burglary, and destruction of evidence. And to my understanding, charging someone with open murder just means that the prosecutor is leaving it up to the jury to decide whether or not the homicide was first-degree murder, second-degree murder, murder, or even manslaughter. Months later, DNA results came back that had been taken during Naomi's autopsy. Those results confirmed that Troy Driver's DNA was located on and inside of Naomi. Swabs taken from Naomi's hands indicated that they contained DNA from Troy Driver with a certainty of 78.55 septillion. And for reference, one septillion is a one followed by 24 zeros. Rectal swabs taken at Naomi's autopsy indicated that Troy Driver's DNA was present on those swabs with a certainty of one in 373.6 sextillion. And for reference, one sextillion is a one followed by 21 zeros. Troy Driver had not only murdered Naomi Irion, but the DNA results confirmed that he had also sexually assaulted her. Therefore, on July 20th, 2022, Troy Driver was charged with the sexual assault of Naomi Irion. And that's where I'm going to leave off for part one of this case. Part two is available for you to listen to right now. In part two, I'll tell you about what happened to sweet Naomi and about additional evidence against Troy Driver and more. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Tell Me a True Crime Story. Please follow the podcast on social media. It's at Tell Me a True Crime Story on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And you can support this podcast um, by leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, you can write a short but sweet five-star review on Apple Podcasts or give it a five-star rating on Spotify. And lastly, you can support me a ton by telling everyone that you know that loves true crime about this podcast. Thank you guys so very much. And thank you again for being here. I love you guys lots. I wish you all and your family great health and happiness. Please join me in the next episode when I'll tell you another true crime story. Big, big hugs to each and every one of you. Bye-bye.